Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. And back on the show is my official Braves resident correspondent, Justin Dale. Justin, how are you doing? I'm great, Richard. Thank you again for having me on the show. Oh, I know you're great. Braves, good times for the Braves. 13-1 against the New York Mets. That was a statement win. Absolutely, it was. Um, Last night was fun, uh, especially after – losing four out of five up in New York. Um, the Braves just didn't play well in that series. They just didn't look like themselves. I knew coming out of that, I mean, the, the Mets have a really good team, and I have to give them credit for taking care of business when they, you know, in their home park. But the Braves definitely didn't put their best foot forward in that series, and um, it cost them quite a few games back in the standings. But since that series, they've now won seven games in a row, and so you can definitely feel the team still has confidence. They still believe in themselves, and uh, being back home, I'm sure, helps after a almost two-week-long road trip. And also, the Braves are getting some great news as Mike Soroka has got a rehab assignment in single A. It's good to see him get out on a rehab assignment finally. It's, I know it's taken a lot of work to get him to this point. Um, it seems like he every time he got close, there was these setbacks. Um, I know he had the knee contusion; they had to shut him down for that. Um, we were hoping he would have been out on a rehab assignment, you know, about a month ago, and could have been with the team now contributing. But it's good to get him out, um, see what he can do. Make I think he's going to get to start tonight in Rome, I believe. We'll see what he can do there. Get him, get him ramped back up, and hopefully, he can definitely be uh, helpful for us down the stretch in September. Um, I'm not sure. You know, he's a starter, and so obviously you, you want to try to get him for some starts. But, you know, he might he might be good in a relief role for us, too, uh, maybe providing some uh, – that kind of that long man out of the pen. Uh, the Braves don't really seem to have that right now. Uh, Colin McHugh is the closest thing to have to a long man out the pen. But having somebody like Soroka who can go multiple innings, um, that could be a weapon for us, uh, you know, not only down the stretch but in the postseason as well. Well, you know, it's it's good for him to finally get out there and get a rehab assignment. Um, we've been waiting for this day for almost two, for over two years now since he got hurt. Um, you know, he was supposed to come back last year. He's had two Achilles surgeries and, and just some little, you know, minor little bumps in the road on his recovery coming back from, from those surgeries. And, and uh, so it's good to see him finally healthy enough to get out on a rehab assignment. I hope he does well. Um yeah, I think that Soroka can definitely play a part for this team down the stretch. I mean, you know, the old adage, you can't have enough pitching. And so getting him right and getting him ready, um, you know, it could help if the Braves want to use him to start maybe a game here in maybe mid to late September just to kind of give the rotation an extra day of rest. That can be super helpful uh, for those for those arms. And uh, also, you know, going into the postseason, you really need about – 
three to four really good starters, and the Braves already have that. So a guy like Mike Soroka could come in, and he could be kind of that long man out of the bullpen, give you multiple innings, and he could be a real big weapon in the postseason. You could bring him in, you know, if you have a starter that can only get four, maybe five innings out of him, and then you bring Soroka in, he can give you two or three innings and kind of save your pen a little bit, as well as get some good quality outs. Right. The Atlanta Braves are 71 and 46. They are four and a half back from the New York Mets. I know this is going to be a very big series coming up with the Mets, and uh, they got to get these wins whenever they can. It's going to be a tall task going up against the Mets in the postseason just because Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer are such a big one two punch. You know, having those two guys together in the same rotation, it reminds me a lot of the the Diamondbacks when they had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling as their one-two punch in that postseason. And and we know what happened in 2001 where they won the World Series. It would be tough. The Braves don't have maybe the ace like that. Uh, Max Freed is definitely the ace of the squad, though. And I I will throw Max up against anybody, honestly. Um, When he's right and when he's pitching – the way uh, he can pitch, I usually I refer to it as Maximus mode when he when he's on top of his game and when he's pitching in Maximus mode, it's um, he's hard to touch. So I, I would take Max against anybody in that series. Um, and right now, Spencer Strider, I mean, you know, the kid's a rookie, but I mean, he's got the stuff. I mean, when you have a 99 to 100 mile an hour fastball that you can throw out there, um, and you know, the kid. You know, he said a few things. I don't know if he meant to, you know, kind of throw some gas on the fire with the Mets rivalry um, after his last start, you know, talking about get, giving up some weird hits. And, you know, yeah, they're playing well now in August. We'll see what happens in October. You know, I, I don't know if that was a, uh, you know, if he meant for that to be a jab. I'm sure maybe he did a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, the, the New York media kind of ran with it. And even I was like, all right, kid, you know, you want to talk, you got to back it up. And he did last night. You know, he went out there and, pitched five really good innings, um, pitched the contact. The strikeouts were a little bit down, but he you could tell he was not trying to strike a lot of guys out. He was pitching the contact. And honestly, if it wasn't for the hour-long rain delay, you probably could have got another inning out of him. But he got five strong innings, and, and by that point, the Braves had really you know put distance between them and the Mets anyway, really blew that game wide open. And you didn't have to push um, Spencer Strider to go that long. So, uh, But, yeah, you throw – those two guys out there, uh, Kyle Wright's been really good this year. I know he's dealing with some arm fatigue right now, from my understanding, and I think they're they pushed him back a couple of days trying to give him some extra rest. Um, but um, but yeah, I think the Braves pitching does match up well against any teams. But you know the Mets have that one-two punch, and it's 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 hard. That's going to be a hard task to face when you when you go up against those two guys back to back. I want to talk about the Braves rookies. We already know Michael Harris is making a huge impact. For the Braves, batting 292 with 12 home runs and 39 runs batted in. Also, he could be a 30-30 club guy. He's got 13 stolen bases. But we also have rookies like Vaughn Grissom and Chadwick Tromp that has come up in this organization. Grissom is batting 429 right now. He's already got two home runs, and he's only played in six games. You can go back to 2018, you know, unless 2017, 2018, as they were coming out of the rebuild, you know, Acuna, all these came up together, Austin Riley in 2019. These rookies are coming out on almost a yearly basis. We get somebody new in 2022. It's just been a, a crazy year for uh, the prospects. You think about where Michael Harris is and, and, and Vaughn Grissom now, when, you know, coming up, he's been in the majors now for about a week. 
But these guys were double. They were in, they barely played above double A. You know, these two guys were drafted. Uh, Michael Harris was drafted third round in 2019. Uh, Von Grissom, I think, 11th round in 2019 as well. They played half a season, you know, in 2019, and then you know, no minor league season at all in 2020. Last year was their first full professional season, playing most both of them playing in you know low A, high A, and. Michael Harris had maybe two months in double A. Vaughn Grissom had 21 games in double A. <laughs> and these guys are in the show. You know, you know, they skipped triple A. They're here in the show and they're, and they're getting meaningful at bats. You know, and, and the, the one thing I think, too, that's helping both of them is like these guys aren't being asked to step into, you know, spots in the lineup where they have to be run producers. We're not asking these guys to hit third, fourth, or fifth. They're hitting, you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth, pretty much mainly eighth and ninth, um, most nights, sometimes seventh and eighth, depending on who's playing. But they're they're at the bottom of the lineup. There's not a lot of pressure on them and they're just able to go up there and play. And they're they're getting meaningful hits. And Michael Harris, you know, he's proven himself, but he's still really kind of down in that nine and eight spot. They don't really want to take him out because he's been so productive down there and they haven't had to move him up and put him in a higher spot. And I know Von Grissom, I think Sunday got to bat second um, with Acuna taking the day off, but for the most part, he's been down there batting eighth and that's taken a lot of pressure off them too. They're not being asked to be the guy to step up and, you know, bat third or fourth and have to score, you know, drive in runs every night, but you know, they're absolutely, um, a huge difference maker in this team, you know, and it, and it started with Harris coming up back in June. Now you get Von Grissom, the Braves, he comes up, Braves go on a seven game, you know, winning streak. Um, Spencer Strider, we can't forget about him and what he's done this year as a rookie. Uh, Chadwick Thromp, I mean, you, you, I don't know how often, I know he came up with uh, the Giants. Um, I'm not sure how much you saw him play with the Giants. No, I, um, I didn't. Yeah, he he spent uh, I think twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I don't think he spent. He had twenty four games in twenty twenty and only nine games in twenty twenty one. So he didn't play that much for the Giants. But what he did coming up and and having that start again, you know, in um in that double header with the Marlins this past weekend. I mean, he was the difference maker. You know, batting ninth, had two two doubles. Could have been could have been three doubles if he wouldn't have you know pulled um, had the leg injury he had. On that second double, um, and the fact that he kept playing on uh, basically one leg, because if they would have taken him out, they would have had to move Contreras to the catcher spot, and he was DHing, so they would have lost their DH um, if they would have done that. And so the fact that he gutted it out, stayed in that game, like it's been huge. The bottom of the lineup has been really producing for this Braves team, and and honestly is making the the difference. Um, I think the. I've seen some of the numbers. I think the eighth and ninth spots right now, like the Braves batters in the eighth and ninth spots in the lineup are the most productive in, in, the, in the National League for sure, maybe in all of baseball. The Astros are the best team in the American League, and they also have their top two pitchers back from injuries, Lance McCulters and the ageless one, Justin Verlander. Now, these two pitchers did not pitch in the World Series against the Braves. I guarantee you, Justin, Astros fans feel – if these two pitchers were pitching in the World Series last year, would have won the World Series because they are convinced they are the better team. Can the Atlanta Braves silence the critics that think the Astros are a better team? Or were they just lucky that the Astros didn't have their top two pitchers in the, in the starting rotation? I, you know, it, it was a shame that they didn't. You know, you always hate to see players go down um, and, you, and you don't get to see their best. You know, there's there's a lot of critics out there about the Braves' 2021 run. 
They talk about the Dodgers, how the Dodgers were missing key players. Matt Muncy didn't play in that that series. Justin Turner got hurt early in that series. Um, you know, Max Scherzer had the arm fatigue issue, the dead arm, as he called it, um, and didn't pitch, but only the one game. And then we go against the Astros, and, and there was that. You know, Justin Verlander's not not pitching for this team. Um, Lance McCullers is out, and he's not pitching for this team because he's hurt. You know, you can you can say the what if scenarios, and 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 you know, obviously, yeah, if those players are playing, some some things may play out differently. Does that mean the Braves don't win the World Series? I'm not saying they don't. They probably still could because, really, if you look at the, you know, the, having Verlander and McCullers in the in the rotation doesn't help the fact that the Astros hit very poorly in that World Series last year. And so the Braves pitching did a very good job keeping them from, you know, they had maybe a couple of games where they scored a lot of runs, but for the most part, it was, they didn't put up a lot of runs on the board. They didn't hit very well. Um, Alex Bregman had a terrible world series um, as far as hitting goes. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it doesn't change some things. It could, but you know, it's still, it's still there. Now, you know, how does that relate to 2022? You know, it's, it's going to be fun to have the Astros here. It's going to be fun to play them kind of in that Reem Burl series rematch. I believe Verlander will be pitching on Sunday. I think that's what I heard. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess McCullers might pitch too in this series. I'm not sure. But um, it will be it will be interesting to see uh, those guys. And honestly, it's fun to see those guys come to come to the um, – come out to Atlanta to play. You know, we don't we haven't seen Justin Verlander a lot because he's been an American League pitcher. And so to get to see a guy like that pitch, a surefire Hall of Famer, um, get to pitch in your home stadium, that's that's always fun to see and everything. But yeah, this 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 homestand is definitely this is the Braves' hardest homestand um they've they'll have all year. You've got four games with the Mets, you've got three with the Astros this weekend. And so it's it's important to play well. And the Braves, honestly, the record has not been very well against the top teams in the league. Um, they haven't they're two and four against the Dodgers. They're three and four against San Diego. They're losing record against the Mets. I think they're five and eight, I believe, um, against the Mets. And so it, you know, the Braves really do need to kind of turn that narrative around and show they can play and play well with the better teams because those are the teams you're going to see in the postseason. All right, Justin, that was really good Braves talk, and, and that's why I've made you my official Braves reporter because you definitely know everything about the Braves. But we are going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. And I was getting ready to watch the Falcons take on the Detroit Lions on the NFL Network, and guess what? The game was blacked out. Mm. But Desmond Ritter actually threw two touchdown passes, and the Falcons won a preseason game. What is going on in the world? I, that you know that shocks me too. You know that's the one thing. Even when the Falcons had good teams in the past, they didn't play well in the preseason. And so to see a win was huge. I know it was against Detroit Lions, um, but still, it, just to get a win, it's good. It was it was a good game. Uh, there were some players that shined for sure. Desmond Ritter looked good. Even um, uh, Mariota looked really good out there for the limited time we saw him, you know, he's using his legs, using his arm. And, and I think that's the element he's going to bring that the, really the Falcons haven't had in a, in, in a very long time, since Michael Vick, honestly, a guy that can run, you know, cause you know, Mike, uh, Matt Ryan was not known for his, uh, you know, his foot as far as running with the football anyway. And so having a guy like that, that kind of adds that element where he could take off and run, you know, it's going to make defenses kind of think twice about it. So yeah, the, you know, Falcons look good. You know, I know their the defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, you know, he's used to having good defenses out there in Baltimore when he was coaching. And I know he's, you know, seeing how the Falcons played in their numbers last year is not sitting well with him. And so I've, you know, I know I've heard some things out of training camp that 
they're, you know, some of these, the practices have been some of the hardest ones they've had in years because they're trying to toughen up that defense. And so, um, you know, I, I think the right coaches are in place um, to help this team out. We'll see if they can bring bring the talent out, bring the, the production out this year with this team. But, yeah, it was a good start for the preseason to, to get a win. Game two of the preseason. The Jets are going to be without Zach Wilson four to six weeks. So maybe the Falcons could get another preseason win. I do like the quarterback tandem of Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter. I think that Desmond Ritter could be a good backup. It is Marcus Mariota's job. Did you see the injury to Drake London? I did. I saw the replay. Yeah, I saw what happened to him, and it's it's unfortunate for sure. Your number one pick in the draft, he goes down the first play. Um, so it's that's tough. And it looks like he's going to be out. I think I heard Arthur Smith say a month at least. That's disappointing for sure. But you know, it's football, man. Injuries happen, and uh, you know, his him going down will be an opportunity for somebody else to step up and get some more reps and try to make the best of their their playing time. I'm optimistic. I think they could win more games. This year than last year, they went seven and ten with Arthur Smith, and I think they can go eight nine nine and eight. I think they could for sure. I think they are going to play better than they did last year. I think the thing that's stacked against them right now is they have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. Yeah, and so that's that's where my turn is. It's not even so much wins and losses at this point um, with the Falcons because I know they're not going to make the postseason this year. I'm not so much worried about wins and losses as I am like I just want to see a better product on the field than I did last year. And, and they had moments of that last year where they looked okay and they were kind of worth watching. And they had some games where literally you just like shook your head, like I mean, how you know how's this team out here? Like like Alabama could beat this team right now, you know, and stuff. And so yeah, for me, I just want to see them play more consistently and play better but yeah i do think that they they might sneak up and beat a team they're not supposed to here and there and they might end up with eight or nine wins i think it's possible all right we're gonna play a little game i'm gonna go down the nfl schedule for the atlanta falcons starting with week one against the new orleans saints you tell me if it's gonna be a win or a loss they play in atlanta new orleans is a five and a half point favorite is that a win or a loss uh they're playing at home they're playing at home i'm gonna go with a win on that one okay Week two, they're at the defending Super Bowl champion Rams. Rams, they already got them as a 13-point a favorite. Uh, they're going to lose that game. All right, at Seattle. I think they could win that game, honestly. All right, two and one, hosting the Deshaun Watson-less Cleveland Browns. I think, um, who's, their, who's their backup quarterback? Jacoby Brissett. I want to say, I'm going to say a win on that one. So they're going to be three and one going into Tampa to take on Tom Brady, which they have never beaten. But you got to remember, Tom Brady's 45 years old. He's lost three offensive linemen. Gronk is retired. New coach, Todd Bowles. Yeah, but they're going to be in Tampa Bay. I'm, gonna, I'm And, yeah, and like you said, they have, they've never beaten Tom Brady. So I'm going to chalk that up as a loss. Oh, so you're telling me, Justin, they're going to be 3-2 and two going into that game against the San Francisco 49ers, which uh, definitely you and I are – we we gonna be at at differences right here uh, with the 49ers playing the Falcons. Uh, the right. Kyle Shanahan Bowl is like as I like to call it. Uh, is that gonna be a loss? It's in Atlanta. It is in Atlanta. I think the I think the Falcons can play them tough. I think it might be close early, but I I don't I don't see them hanging around with the 49ers. Honestly, I think that's a loss too. This is where the schedule gets tough. Yep. They go to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. That's that's gonna be a loss. And then they host the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think they can beat the Panthers at home. All right, so what do we got? We got four and four right now. Hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. 
Uh, I literally like Justin Herbert, and, and they like to throw the ball around a lot. And so I just, again, I, I think the defense will play better. I think they'll be getting better, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on the side of Costello loss on that one. Four and five. All right, traveling to Carolina. You know they beat the Carolina Panthers twice last year? They did. They did. Um, Panthers Panthers kind of in the same boat as Falcons. They're, they're, they're both still – they had a lot of holes, question marks. Quarterback position, both have question marks. I would like to say they could do this. I think they're going to sweep Carolina. I think they are too. So that's that's five and five on the season so far. Uh, I think they're going to get this, Justin. I mean, they got they host Justin Fields and the mm-hmm. Chicago Bears. Man, that is going to be a great homecoming for Justin Fields, the the Kennesaw resident. I I would love to get tickets to that game just to root on for Justin Fields. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that game too, just to see him see him play there. Um, I, I, I think Justin Fields is going to take some big steps second year in the NFL. I think he'll take some big steps this year. But I think the Falcons win to push their record to 6-5. and five. I think they could beat the Commanders in Washington. Uh, yeah, I think they can too. I don't really see Carson Wentz. Not sure if he'll be healthy or not. <laughs> we play him at that time. Um, I think they could win the game. For sure, and, um, I, and, I'm not as optimistic about them beating the Bears as you are, but I think they could. I think they could definitely beat the Commanders. Well, they've had a history of losing to the Bears in, in Atlanta, so exactly. And that's kind of where I'm leaning towards is history on that one. And, I, oh. and like I said, I think Justin Fields is going to take bigger steps. So if you, if you give them a loss there and a win against the Commanders in six and six so far, well, I got them seven and five going into the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Bins. That's going to be a home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You oh, yeah. know and I know I am not sleeping on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that Kenny Pickett could be the best rookie quarterback in this draft class. And how about George Pickens? I think he is going to emerge as the Steelers' number one wide receiver. Remember, they don't have Juju Smith-Schuster anymore. Right. I just, I just want to hear Pickens to Pickens. That's honestly what I want to hear. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to be a great call, and they're probably Steelers fans are going to be hearing that for – hopefully for years to come, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I don't sleep on the Steelers. It's basically going to be a home game. They're such a big – I mean, Atlanta is, is Pittsburgh South, honestly, when it comes to Steeler Nation. So, there's going to be a ton of Steelers fans there. I'm friends. I go to church with a bunch of Steelers fans. Um, they're already working on getting tickets for that game and everything to be there to watch their Steelers play. And so, yeah, I'm not sleeping on the Steelers to, uh, and the Falcons to win that one. I'll chalk that up to, uh, to the Steelers on the, for them. All right, I got them at seven and six so far. Mm-hmm. And this is where their schedule gets tough at New Orleans and then at Baltimore. Do they uh, lose both those games and go seven and eight? I believe they do. I don't see All them. Right. I don't see them winning both. Of them. I don't. I don't. This they haven't won much in 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 New Orleans, um, honestly. And also, just I mean, Baltimore is a really good team. I just don't see them coming out victorious in either one of those games. Now, the last two games of the season, week week seventeen and week eighteen. They take on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals in Atlanta. I think they're going to win that game. And now their record will be 8-8 eight and eight going into the home finale against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which they have never beaten Tom Brady. But, Justin, is this the year they finally get over the hump and they defeat Tom Brady for the first time in Falcons history to finish 9-8 and eight, like I called it? Let's. I'll, I mean, I go for a victory here. Yeah, you're at home. It's it's the Bucks. If if they're still struggling to find, if they have some injuries, we'll see. That, that this game is uh, you know last game of the season, so you got also think about it in terms of if the, if Tampa Bay has got the division locked up, 
um, for any reason that they'll they might sit some players. Um, Tom Brady may not even play in this game for you know depending on where they're sitting at. So yeah, there's I think there's a good chance Falcons could win this game. And like you said, if they're if they're trying to you know get one more win, maybe more, just at least say hey look the win total's going up. You know they want to get it. They'll they'll play hard in that game to win it. Um, to try to you know at least show the progress. I don't think they'll quit or um play down in that last game of the season. So yeah, I, I think they can win that game, which that that would have you going them going eight and nine for you. I have to have them at seven and ten, just like they were last year. Do the Atlanta Falcons make the playoffs? Never say never. Obviously, right? I mean, I would have never thought in two thousand eight, coming off how bad they were in two thousand seven after losing Michael Vick, um, you know, because of the whole uh, scandal, and then Matt Ryan coming in as a rookie. I never would have picked the Falcons to make the playoffs that year, and they did. You know, it was a first-round exit to Arizona, but still the fact that they just made it and snuck in as a wild card was amazing. And so I'll never say never on this, but um, I, but do, are there chan- you know, what are their chances? I think their chances are low, honestly, to, to win this year. Um, I think the biggest thing, if you're a Falcons fan right now, I, yeah, we want to get them back to where they're making the playoffs on a regular basis and having a chance to play some football in January. But – Right now, the biggest thing for the Falcons, for, for me as a fan, is I just I want to see improvement from this team. I want to see them play better. I want to see a better product on the field. I want to see progress. And that doesn't always have to mean wins and losses. It just means, you know, what, I, what I'm seeing on the field is better and I see a, a brighter direction for this team. The schedule is tough this year. And so, um, but there's a chance. There's always a chance they can make the playoffs. But I think the chances are low, honestly. All right, Justin, now it's time to talk college football. You know, we are a couple weeks away. I am excited. The AP mm-hmm. poll just came out. Alabama is ranked number one. Georgia is ranked number three. Right. I kind of have a bone to pick, Justin, if these two teams met on a neutral field, the SEC championship, I feel that Georgia has just the same amount of great players as Alabama. Kirby Smart recruits a top five class every year. Look at all the times that Georgia has played Alabama and they had a double-digit lead. And I also feel a huge advantage that Kirby Smart has. No more demons of can't close it out against Nick Saban. Right. I think if, if Georgia plays Alabama, I think Georgia can beat Alabama. Why, why is Alabama picked to be the clear-cut favorite to win the national championship when I think that Georgia is just as good? Well, that's the that's the next step, right, in the evolution for Georgia, like in trying to get to that level. One is okay, you know, Nick Saban came into Alabama, he put a good product on the field, they won, um, and then they finally won a national championship. I, I think the reason Alabama continues to come in number one is just history. You know, Nick, we know Nick Saban continues to turn off good teams. You know, he has teams that are always playing in December for the SEC championship game, teams that make the playoffs more times than not. They've only missed the playoffs once in the playoff era. And so there's that history there with it. Whereas with Georgia, with Kirby, that's the next step, right? You know, so they had a really good team. They had this this generational defense and they went and won a national championship, but they had 15 players get drafted in the NFL draft. And that's a lot. And most teams, when they lose all, all that many players, usually have usually kind of have an off year the next year. And so, you know, and with Georgia though, I don't, I don't see that happening like with you because Georgia, does recruit at such a high level. Uh, Kirby's had top three recruiting classes for the last six or seven years, you know, a couple one number ones in there too. And so 
the the team is stocked with talent. Do they have a lot of you know? Do they have a lot of the, the big shoes to fill? Yes, absolutely. Some of these players have some very big shoes to fill with the players that have gone on to the NFL now, and so it will be um, interesting to see how they play together. Um, but I think the schedule lines up really well for Georgia, like it did last year. Honestly, uh, you're swap you're swapping out Clemson for Oregon, um, so you're, you're playing them in a neutral site, just like you did um, Clemson last year. Uh, your SEC, the SEC East um, is pretty manageable. The only, the one team I think in the SEC East that could give Georgia trouble is going to be Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's going to they, they're bringing back Hendon Hooker. They've got they they run that high tempo offense that Josh Heupel ran in, at, down in um, Central Florida, and so I think that um, that might that'll probably give Georgia some challenges for sure. I think that might be their toughest game, but I still feel like they can beat still beat Tennessee. That game's going to be a home game for Georgia, so Tennessee has to come to Athens. So I think we'll definitely be favored in that game. We're swapping out Arkansas for Mississippi State. Uh, we have to go to Mississippi State, but you know, I, I don't I don't see I don't really see anything in Mississippi State that's gonna make me think they could they could upset us in any way. And so I, I think we could there's a very real possibility we could run through our schedule, be twelve and zero and be playing Alabama again in the SEC championship game. Um, I, I think where my bone is not so much Alabama being number one in the standings is is, is Ohio State being number two. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of my, my thing is, it's like, well, you know, we're we're the defending national champions. Why Ohio State didn't even make the playoffs last year. Why are they ranked a spot ahead of us? But it, at the same time, too, it's all preseason. You know, I mean, this is literally everybody's opinion right now. Um, once we start playing games, that top 10 will probably shuffle a lot within the first few weeks. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. All that really matters is where we're ranked at the end. Now, week one, I guess you could call it week zero, is that weekend, uh, next weekend, where we have, you know, not a whole lot of teams playing. I mean, you got Vanderbilt taking on Hawaii, but really it's week two, Labor Day weekend, where I am sitting in front of the TV and watching college football from college game day all the way to 10 o'clock at night. But Mm -hmm. my question to you, Justin, I'm looking at these matchups which team for week one is on upset alert? Ohio State, Notre Dame. Somebody's got to lose that game. I don't know if that's really so much an upset. but um, Ohio State's favored by 14 and a half. Yeah, they are Good. favored. They Good are favored. night. That's a, that's a lot. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't bet on that game. <laughs> I, I, would, I would take the points. Yeah, you would? Okay. But yeah, I wouldn't take the over-under on it. Um, maybe week one, that Utah-Florida game, I might put Utah on, on upset alert. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That game is in the swamp. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Florida upset. First game, Billy Napier wants to make a statement. I could see them upsetting Utah there. And I, I could also see Florida saying, we're an SEC team. You're a Pac-12 team. Thank you for having the trip, but it's time to go home. I could I could see that, too. You know, I, I'm not trying to count Utah out by any means or anything, but it is, you know, th- this is the – honestly, if, if you're a Florida fan – Billy Napier, this is like the perfect game to kind of send a message into the SEC that Florida, I don't know if you want to say Florida's back, but just at least put people like, hey, we're still here. We're not just going to wade out in the mud like we've done in the last couple of years. We're, you know, we're an SEC team and we're, you know, we come out here. If you go in there and, and, and you play well at home and you beat Utah by 14 points or something like that, you can at least maybe send a quick message just to remind people that, hey, we're, you know, the Gators are still around. We're still here kind of thing. So that's, I could see that happening for sure. I'm calling another upset, Justin. Oh, you are? 
Memphis Great. over Mississippi State. Oh, really? Uh, no, no. I got one. Uh, Houston. Houston is playing University of Texas at San Antonio. Yep. Houston's favored by five and a half, but that game is in San Antonio. Right. The Roadrunners were undefeated at one time, and they had a great season last year. Yeah, I can see that. You could definitely see that happen. And these these teams that are ranked low, top, you know, twenty and below in the top twenty five. You can maybe make a same, you know, BYU's playing South Florida. They got to travel all the way to South Florida for that game. Uh, you know, the Bulls could pull an upset there against against uh, BYU. I'm trying to think about anybody else here that really West Virginia over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yeah, doesn't have Kenny. West Virginia over Pittsburgh. I, they don't, but they got to go to with Pittsburgh for that game. Um, yeah, they don't have Kenny Pickett, so but, they're breaking but, a new quarterback. But West Virginia has JT Daniels. They do. They do. That's true. They do. You know, I, you know, when it comes to JC Daniels, it's it's in so much. You know, we've talked about the potential that's there, but even you know USC, Georgia, he hasn't shown it quite yet. And a lot of it's just due to injury. You know, he's just had these little injuries that's kept him from being healthy. I hope he is healthy this year, and I wish him luck in West Virginia. And I hope he plays well. You know, shows shows everybody why he was a five star recruit coming out of high school. Um, but his his biggest thing has just been trying to stay healthy and stay on the field. But we'll see. I, what happens there? I could I could see that you know if, if JT Daniel wants to kind of ball out, um, kind of show everybody he what he you know he's still around and you know the talent's still there. Then yeah, I could see maybe see an upset there against Pittsburgh. Justin, I cannot wait. High school football, college football, the NFL. I know that I really start revving up this show as we get ready and we talk about football because that's what we love as fans. We we sit in front of the TV and watch football all day long. I know in the summer months. When you have the NBA, you have Major League Baseball, we could still talk about it. But, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not like – I know that you probably sit in front of the TV and watch an entire Braves game from the first inning all the way to the last. I mean, but I, that's how dedicated you are of a Braves fan. But uh, I, I admit I, I can't do that because I don't have Bally. <laughs> right. And well, I get it. Baseball is a little more slow-moving sport. And a lot of people can't. And, and, and sometimes I, I don't – maybe I have the game on and I'm doing other things, you know, but I'm paying attention – to it and stuff here and there, but um, it, I get it. It's hard sometimes to sit and watch a game all the way through. I just I, baseball was the first sport I grew up loving, and so I can do it. I, I love the strategy within the game. I think that's why I like soccer so much too, and I can watch soccer from start to finish because I just love the strategy in it um, and everything. And, and it's not that there's not strategy in football by by no means, or of course there is. Um, but you know, football is a little bit more fast paced. There's a lot more hard hitting, uh, basketball is very fast paced, obviously, and stuff like that. So, but, but, but baseball is just, you know, I love getting and trying to get inside of a pitcher's head and figuring out what they're going to throw next to a hitter. So Justin, what high school are you repping up there in the Metro Atlanta area? Uh, I mean, gotta be my alma mater, man. Sprayberry. Sprayberry. Oh, are they, are they a 5A, a 6A? What, what are they? I don't even know what they are. are they are seven? They? Now, now I got to pull Sprayberry off max preps. So, you know, Friday nights, I can't really do anything because I'm calling high school football games. That's where my Friday nights are. I know you got high school. Is high school football pretty big in Atlanta? I mean, it's not as – it's huge in these small towns. Do people pay attention to high school football? They do. I mean, they do. They do have other options, too, to watch, but it's still a big deal. They they broadcast games up here, too. Um, They'll have a a lot of the sports stations in Atlanta will have a Friday night game of the week, um, high school game of the week, and so they'll broadcast somebody's game. Um, It may not be as – 
you know, as big as it is in some of the smaller count or other counties that are outside of this, the city, just because there is more options up here, but it's still a big deal. Um, people love football up here. So, yes. And Sprayberry is a six, a program and they're facing this Friday night, Campbell, the alma mater of Julia Roberts, little Easter egg for you. But yeah, I, I love high school football and, uh, I, I get to call games and, and that's, so, that's so exciting. But uh, thank you so much, Justin, just for being on the show once again. And definitely we'll have you back when we get closer to these football games and the Braves start making that postseason run as we've all expected them to do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on again, Richard. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Braves finishing the season strong and, and you know, let's get going with the postseason. Let's go defend our, our championship. All right. That was Justin Dale, my Braves correspondent. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.